Hello. 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 Welcome, Welcome to Dawn. <laughs> this is weird. So what happens when I don't start? I know. Do my have to start again, please? Okay. Welcome to Dead A. You're doing your little lean into the mic. <laughs> no. I it's can't just, hear it. That's how I talk to people. I lean right into their faces when I'm going to say something. Very disconcerting. Yeah, I'm also really quiet in all of the episodes, so I, I, I want to be loud and proud in this one. Yeah. Should have done a last episode tonight. That was the episode to do it in. <laughs> I did man know you're straight. You don't get that privilege. No. We're back to straight pride now, guys. Stop panicking. Bethan, get back in your place. I am back in my place. I am back to being feared and loathed. Um, that's nothing to do with me being gay. I'm just, <laughs> just, who just, she is. just a very abrasive person. Um, great. <laughs> I feel like fear. You were going to say something interesting. And I did. Um, we have two more stories today. As we always. Do. Oh, I'm so you? excited. <laughs> Everyone gather around, sit on the rug, Ooh. get your cookies. So we are fresh off the bat of our Pride episode. Yeah. Any was... thoughts? Well, I haven't heard the fully rendered edition yet. Okay um... then. Jack, <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it went alright. I hope no one hated us. I hope so also. Um, yeah, I just, I set in our emotion really. Hope no one hates us. Yeah. It's just my general thought. Yes, you do. Keep it to yourself. Yeah, we really need to know. Yeah. Um, my, see that box over there? Yeah. That's Jagger's angry box, right? Jagger's my cat. And that's her angry box for whenever she has a row, she gets like, she goes in her box and rips pieces of cardboard off it. Like really angrily, hence the name. And I've been away overnight, and she's not a big fan of being left. She's very demanding. Um, and when I came back, it it was across the room, <laughs> and there was a trail of cardboard leading from where it was to where it, its new home was. So I can only, I can only assume that she was so angry about me leaving that she threw her angry box across the room. <laughs> Evie has a, had a box, right, Evie's my cat, right beside our bed, and we put it, th- well, it was there by accident, it'd fallen off the side, and then one day she climbed in, and it's a tiny box, and she's a very, she's quite small, but she's very fluffy, so she yeah. looks really big, Yeah. so she sits in it, and she looks like a little muffin, um, and it was very, very cute, until she started just ripping the box up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the box it's, is now, box it's, now. It's, it's not a box anymore. It's a piece of cardboard <laughs> on the floor surrounded by bits of cardboard that we've just not cleaned up. Uh, I've given her a new box in the living room, which she refuses to go near. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, it's too big box. for it. She needs a tiny yeah. box. She needs a challenge. A little tiny box. I've got fantastic pictures, which I love dearly, of my, my dog Stan, who's a bulldog very fat and he got in a box once and we've got like action shots of him sitting in the box loving life and then just the box breaking all around him because he's so fat and then him just sitting on the broken remnants of the box looking 
absolutely heartbroken. <laughs> I'll put them on our, our new Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. We've got a new Instagram. I think we did say about it in the last one, didn't we? Uh, just once we'll or twice. We'll say about it again. It's called Dead Square Podcast. Did we call a podcast at the end? Yes. Yeah, Dead Square, because we're very funny. Because Instagram, you, all the photos are square. If you, you have to explain the joke. It, if you have to explain <laughs> it, then you know it's funny. Uh, you can yeah. also find us on Twitter at Reddit Podcast. With an A in red. Yeah. We're really regretting this choice of <laughs> wording. We, well, we wanted Dead Share Podcast, but it wouldn't fit. Yeah, so uh, we've gone with red. Because you read things on Twitter. Welcome to the internet, friends. So it's actually Reddit Podcast, but that doesn't sound as good. No, so. it doesn't. Um, so, you know, there we go. That's that. I've got another thing to say, actually. <gasps> Guess what happened? Sorry, that so was yesterday, such a fake reaction. <laughs> I don't even care. Yesterday, my mum sent me a text of a letter, and she was like, is this for you? And it had been sent, it was addressed to me, but it had been sent to my But it, my name was, like, handwritten on it, and the address and all that. But it had a sticker on with the name of this place. And I, I Googled it. And it's like, um, they do, like, family... Not family planning. They do like um private investigators and like people finding and fucking um hunting down like A's and shit like that. And I was like, what's well, probably spam? But then it's like handwritten. It's not like a computer has just sent a random letter yeah. out. Sorry, I'm doing that thing where I'm nodding and nobody can see that. <laughs> I am in the. I am but it's listening like, aptly. Is that uh, not really? wild and like and it's at my mum so now I'm I don't know the next time I'm gonna see it so I'm not gonna open it for ages oh. and it's like I don't know what could possibly be in there you're long lost oh do you know when people send you emails from like long lost relatives who need money and then they'll give you like a million well I thought this but like what this is the thing I assumed it was junk mail but like would they handwrite my name and email my, not my name and address on there if they'd send me, like, scams. Yeah, but, no, but I meant maybe it's a real one. But then... And then you meaning to tell you that my Nigerian prince uncle is a, <laughs> is a scam? Hey, I, I'm just, I'm baffled. I've and it feels quite dead eerie to me. <laughs> well, we'll follow this like up. <laughs> maybe it's an anthrax napkin, who knows? Well, maybe we shouldn't follow <laughs> this up. <laughs> if you never hear from me again, assume it was an anthrax napkin. Um, assume <laughs> it was an anthrax napkin. They're gonna kill me. Um, yeah, so that's all my news. That's all. Just did. Did Cat Furious know? might be a millionaire and stands sat in a box one. Stands sat in a box one, diamond it is. So, shall we crack on? I feel like my ball is very subdued today. Uh, it's just, I'm, I'm having a real Sunday work starts tomorrow kind of, kind That's of day. That's fair. I, I've had a lot of food this. today. I'm very full of food. Yeah. We are recording this on Father's Day, though. We are! So, so shout out to the daddies. Shout out to Richard and... Whatever you're called. Mickey. Richard and Mickey. That sounds like a great wow. double act. Dick and Mick. <laughs> Dick and Meg! Oh, that's excellent. Oh, I love it. Okay, shout out to Dick and Meg. Um, what a pick and mix. 
<laughs> my dad's always said he wishes he cared about um, cooking so he could open up a place in Connemix Grill. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, okay, so shall we carry on, continue time? Yes, let's continue time. Can I just say one last thing really quickly on the no. subject of time? Okay, how how um, baffling is this that um, the Killers album Hot Fuzz has been out for 15 years today? No. 15 years. I've purchased that album with my own money. I didn't have money when I was a baby child. That means I was older. <laughs> you were older than when a baby I bought child. it. Um. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was I was just gonna say for older listeners, Bleach was thirty today, but I I feel like now I'm just listing the ages of albums, <laughs> so I'm <laughs> gonna stop. Topic. But <laughs> that's a that's a story for a different day. Um. Okay. So who is gonna go first? I think you should. Do you? Yeah. I always go, seem to go first. Okay. Cool. Well then. I want to tell you about the Dyatlov Pass incident. Now, the what? Dyatlov Pass incident. Okay. I'm just going to throw in a little heads up right at the start that this all happened in Russia. All the names are Russian. So, yay! <laughs> all oh, the words are Russian. So, there's going to be some it's terrible pronunciations. <laughs> yeah. And I also, I'm genuinely sorry because I'm, A, I'm Welsh, so I should be able to handle Russian words, right? Because have you seen some of the fucking shit in the Welsh language? And B, it really, really annoys me when I hear people, it's usually Americans, let's be real, but when I hear people making a big deal out of foreign words and being like, oh, this is so crazy and hard to say. Ah, if it's not English, then it's nuts. And it really bugs me. But I'm going to do that exact thing now because the Russian language really is insane. So, <laughs> sorry, if Russian English listeners. Is nuts. Yeah. If it, 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 look, it's not English and it's not Welsh, so that it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> do you even speak so, Welsh? Well, I can, sit, I can pronounce Welsh words. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so in, we're going back to 1959. So, we're not way, way back, but we're kind of back. We're not now. We are. So we are back and we're not in the future. So the only way is back. Baby. <laughs> you and me now. Uh, Igor Dyatlov. That's what I'm sticking with. Uh, 23-year-old radio engineering student at the Ural Park. <laughs> it's the English words I'm stumbling on. Fuck's sake. <laughs> the Ural Polytechnical Institute in Russia. Which is a university. Um, the Europe. Uh, what? The Europe pop. <laughs> In the urine. Uh, he assembled a group of 10 people, including himself, um, to do like a ski hike kind of thing. So basically, he wanted a train for his masters. And if you want to do your in, in ski hiking, <laughs> That's the thing, you couldn't do a master's in, apparently. But at the time, if you wanted to get... He, he was training for his grade three certificate. And if you wanted to do it, you had to do you had to um, traverse 190 miles. So 
he was like cool let's set up this thing we'll do this little hike and then I'll get my certificate um so the group had eight men and two women um I'm just gonna apologize right now I'm gonna try and read the names so the men are Igor Alexievich fuck off. you don't need their middle names Igor Dyatlov which is the leader Yuri uh, Doroshenko Yuri Krivonyshenko Yuri Yudin <laughs> Yuri Geller is Yuri like Brendan Yuri <laughs> is Yuri like Bethan in in Russia where uh, <laughs> and then we have Nikolai Thibault Brunione uh, Rustam Slobodin and Alexander Kolevatov. Kolevatov? I'm glad that you got all those names after the way nice and early. Thanks. Yeah, we've still got two women to go. The two women are Lyudmila Dabinina. I wish you could have seen your own face. <laughs> and Zineda Kolmogorova. I'm so sorry. Um, I decide. I decided while I was writing this that if I was one of these, if I had to have the names of one of these people, I'd want to be Nikolai and I'd want to be Slobodan, Slobodin. So I'll be Nikolai Slobodin. You wouldn't want to be Yuri. Uh, no, I. No, there's too many Yuris. I've become yeah. accustomed to having a name nobody knows. Yeah. So. How how is your name currently spelled on your? <laughs> My, so, my name is Portia. I, I hope you know this by now. But um, it's spelled P-O-R-T-I-A. It comes from fucking Shakespeare, right? It's fucking cultured as fuck. But everyone thinks I'm named after the car. And um, going to Starbucks is an event. Um, and Bethan's girlfriend works in Starbucks. So she's decided to just kind of find the most creative spellings of my name every time I go in there. So we're currently on... P-O-U-R-S-H-E-R. Poor Cher. <laughs> poor Cher. You actually, she poured your chai latte. Yeah, that's great. And then she shared it with me. She did. It's poor Cher. <laughs> so. Um, I have an interesting fact about your name. Oh. There's a hypothesis called the Porsche hypothesis. Have you heard of this? No. Is it spelled like me? Yeah. Um, and it's... Um, the hypothesis where women with male names, or um, sort of, what's the word? Androgynous names. Okay. Um, are more likely to succeed in often male-oriented businesses like uh, lawyers and engineers. Commercial finance. And Porsche's not a male name. No, it's not. So what's that got to do with anything? The reason it's called the Porsche hypothesis is because. <gasps> I know why. I know why, because in Shakespeare she pretended to be a man so she'd get into court and save her husband. Exactly, yeah. It's where a pound of flesh comes from. to be a lawyer. Yeah. Ah, that's wild. Yeah, I like that's that. That's my fun fact of the day. Oh, I like it. Does that mean I don't have to do my bit now? Uh, unless your bit is all about my name, then no. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> okay. And you want me to do that anyway? <laughs> yeah. Continue. So, Poor shit. <laughs> so, uh... We've got as far as the names. Great. <laughs> um, okay, so the eldest was Semyon, who was 38, and the rest were between 20 and 24, so they're all students, pretty young. 
I Semyon, I don't know why there was an old man with him. I mean, he's 38, he doesn't exactly, you know, but... It might have just been a mature student. I just student. feel like Semyon's a bit creepy, that's all I'm no, saying. No, don't be rude about mature students. That's not hard, just There's a no age to a couple learning. But going on a skiing expedition with all the young ones is a bit weird, isn't it? I just wanted to think. <laughs> I feel really bad for Semyon. That, that's I like, thought this about Semyon. That's like going to the fucking student union when you're 40, isn't it? It's like... Okay. So, uh, yeah, as I said, they were all trying to do the, the certificate. So the goal of the expedition was to reach Ortorton, a mountain six miles north of the site of the incident, with the capital I. Um... The route being like in February was estimated as a category three, which is the most difficult. So that's black slopes. Yeah. They're doing all the the difficult shit. They get in their they get in their paper. Whatever. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm absolutely not good. Um so in the early hours of twenty fifth of January nineteen fifty nine. I said February just now, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Most of the expedition is going to be in February. They estimated they'd be back on the 12th of February. So it yeah, was a lot of like two days in trek into January, in January and then climbing in February. So in the early hours of the train for the January 1959, the group caught a train to the town of Ivdel in Sverdlovsk Oblast. From here, they took a van to Vizhai, um, which is a lorry village. Wherever the fuck that is. Uh, and it's the last inhabited settlement to the north. Not really information you need to know. <laughs> Don't know why I feel that is. For the geography news. There's going to be a lot of this. Yeah, there, there is. Um, so they stayed there for the night. <laughs> I wrote, the ski hikers stayed here for the night. <laughs> like as if you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. Uh, they stayed here for the night, stocked up on loads of bread to keep their energy up for the hike. I swear I stuck upon my bread. Yes, yeah, same. I swear I put on a stone in the last month. <laughs> uh, um, on the 27th of January, the group set out to trek from Vizhai, which is the lorry village, <laughs> to Ototan. So now, like, they've travelled to Vizhai to start their journey. Now they start on their actual, like, trek. Um, so the following day, one of the members of the group, one of the Yuri's, one of the three Yuris of the group, Yuri Yudin, um, he had to turn around and leave like a pussy because he had rheumatoid arthritis and Aww. he was like, actually, maybe walking for fucking days on end in the snow uphill is not great for someone with arthritis, maybe. I mean, so, I hear that. Um, yeah, so he decided to turn around and go back. So the nine of them were left. They carried on. They were down to just two Yuri's now. They were really struggling, but, you know. That's why they brought three. Yeah. The spare Yuri. Yeah, you need a Yuri. <laughs> when you've got a Yuri shortage, you got to... So, on the 31st of January, they reached the edge of the mountains where their climb was to begin. Didn't copy and paste that. Uh, they left food and equipment there, ready for the trek back. And then on the f- 1st of February... Um, they started their journey through the pass. I don't know what a pass is. 
but it's called the Dyatlov Pass. It wasn't at the time. That wasn't like a huge coincidence. Like they've <laughs> named it since. But it's called the Pass. I have no idea what's about to happen, and there's a lot of suspense. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just I didn't want you to think. Well, the leader is called Mr. Dyatlov, and the pass is called the Dyatlov Pass. Is that why you chose I that think, location? I think a pass is just like. Through, just like a stretch of land, I guess. I think it's normally like at the bottom of a valley. Is how I picture it. I think this is based on valleys involved. I think it's, it's like, like a mountains, trench. troughs, and peaks, and yeah. highlights, and trees. There's trees. <laughs> so there's a pass, right? They they start their journey through it on the first of February. The plan was to make their way through the pass and set up camp on the other side. But as the weather got shitter and shitter and shitter, the snow and snowstorms began clouding their vision. They lost their way and started going west up towards the Kolatsiakl, which is a mountain. Guess what that translates to in English, please. The what? Kolatsiakl. You ask for your guesses. And all I'm going to tell you is this is where it turns into, like, a really shit horror film. <laughs> Col- Colat Seattle. There's nothing... You can't tell from the song of the words where it is. Three guesses. The House on the Hill. No. The Play Witch Project. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to climb up Mount Blair Witch Project. Last guess. Do. good. <laughs> Dead Mountain. Oh, I was quite close. You were close. <laughs> Play Witch is so, really similar to Dead. So they're going up this fucking... They're doing this trek. They lose their way in the snowstorm. I can't see where I'm going. I'm just going to stumble onto Dead Mountain. It's bullshit, but it like actually happened. Crazy. Um, so I got very excited when I wrote that because I've written AKA... New line, dead in capital letters, new line, mountain in capital letters. <laughs> and then on the new line, I've done five exclamation marks. <laughs> so when they realised that they fucked off onto Dead Mountain, um, they were like, well, the, the smart thing to do would be to stop and set up camp on Dead Mountain. Yeah. Where else would you go? Yeah. So And they decided to do it on the side of the mountain. Which was weird because if they'd gone like a mile, I think it was like less than a mile down, there was like forests, which obviously they got this snowstorm going on, but in the forest it would have been cover from, and it would have been flatter. But maybe they had good reason. Well, were they, the guy that survived, the guy that went back with his uh, rheumatoids, um, he said that he thinks maybe either um, Tiatlov wanted to practice like camping in harsher conditions or he just didn't want to lose the altitude and have to do that mile again the next day so um yeah that's that um so that's as far as we've got like recorded because there's actually quite a lot of photos and like video footage that they took i don't know actually if they could take videos back then but they took a lot of photos um and they also did the cutest thing in the world where they made a little fake newspaper that was called the some something like the daily whatever the area was called, the Daily Ural or something like that. Daily Uri. 
daily Yuri. <laughs> yeah, Yuri of the day. Today's <laughs> Yuri. Like, is. And they're like the cutest thing. It is cute. And they were like all nice and they were like just all nice people and they made little fake newspapers and they were all really cute. I bet Simeon was like, what the hell are you guys doing? Yeah, he like, well, they used the like, fucking today with like their newspapers. fake newspapers. Uh... So before they left, Diatlov had told their club, their like climbing club. Oh, climbing club. It sounds so pathetic. Climbing sock. Climbing sock. Climb sock, you know, like your societies and... Oh, okay. Well, he told their sports club that he would telegram as soon as they reached Viz High on the way back, the, the famous lorry town, on their way the back. famous lorry town. What is a um, lorry town? <laughs> what yeah. did you? I, you knew, did all this I didn't even think lorries existed back then. How did they exist before, like, phones? It was 59. You know, that's the year before 1960, right? Yes. I just didn't think they had lorries back then. They're still sending telegrams. I don't know, I'm not old. I'm not old. (laughs) (laughs) The killer's hot from the yesterday. Um, yeah, he told him it'd probably be on the 12th, but before they left, he told Yuri Yudin, the guy that left early, except I think it will probably be longer. Great English from Porsche McGrath. Uh, <laughs> so, for some reason, he told him it'd be on the 12th, even though he thought that they'd get back later than that. I don't know why. But, um, this is the part, I was saying to Bethan earlier that there's stages in my notes where it's like, it'll start off where I've written it really like conversationally and then I've just clearly like copied and pasted everything and then we'll get the bit where I get bored and this is that bit because I said, since that prick Diatlov was so loosey-goosey with his timeline, nobody bothered stressing at first. He <laughs> <laughs> was very loosey-goosey. Why I'm so angry at him. <laughs> I called him a prick. I apologised to yes, the family of the You're just dead with research at this yeah, point. Yeah. The great part is you want to be talking about hurting. I know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so they didn't bother worrying to begin with because um, it was Lucy, Lucy, Goosey fucking timeline. But when the 20th of February had come and gone, the group's families okay. demanded that a rescue party be sent out understandable (laughs) so initially it was just some student and teacher volunteers but when they couldn't find them they sent out the army and militia which is militia are you spelling it but it's a russian word militia it had a separate Wikipedia page. So is that like a militia? Why would you send out a militia? It's like a different place, I think. Okay. Well, anyway, they got involved with their planes and their helicopters. They have planes and helicopters, so maybe they did have lorries. You're you're telling me this like I think they had lorries. I need to do another episode on the history of lorries, I think. (laughs) The creepy, creepy (laughs) history of lorries. So... That is something that Hot Smoggle would definitely be interested in. So we've got the 26th of February now, and they're still looking, and they finally come upon Dead Mountain, and they find their camp. And they're probably thinking, why the fuck didn't we check Dead Mountain first? Obvious place to go. But They probably thought that they wouldn't be so dumb as to go to Dead Mountain in in a snowstorm. Yeah. So 
Um, the tent was, um, in the words of a searcher, half torn down and covered in snow. It was empty and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. And it was later discovered that the tent had been, like, cut open from the inside. Like, ripped it with a knife or something. There were eight or nine sets of footprints left by people who were wearing only socks or a single shoe or even barefoot. Um, these footprints led down towards the edge of a nearby woods on the opposite side of the pass, just under a mile to the northeast. Um, but after about 500 metres, the tracks were covered with snow. Which is not really interesting. <laughs> so, um, they, they, so, they, ca- they turn up and... The tent is being... So the, camp, the, the tent is, like, just c- down, <laughs> deflated, I don't know, is, is destroyed it's anyway. But it's so, uh, <laughs> very popular in 1959. It's got snow on it and it's got a torch on top, which is still on, and okay. it's being cut from the inside. Um, and then they've got these footprints. That's a good battery on the torch, isn't it? I know, isn't it, Jess? I was thinking that as well. What What was the chat? Maybe it was a, maybe it was a solar power one. Mm. And in 59, they didn't even have lorries. Are you sure they had solar power? <laughs> they had lorry villages. <laughs> um, so, and then they had these footprints leading down the forest. At the edge, <laughs> again, I got bored. At the edge of the forest was, I shit you not, a tree. <laughs> of the forest there was a large cedar tree and at the base of it was the remains of a small fire and also the remains of Georgie and Yuri Doroshenko. Oh no, down to one Yuri. Yeah, we're seriously lacking in Yuri's. Georgie, and actually no, we're down to not Yuri's because I think Georgie was the nickname of one of yeah, the Yuri's. Yeah, so that wasn't a name I remember. Yeah, no, Georgie was in brackets so I assumed that was his nickname. I thought it'd be respectful to call him that. So... Georgie is one of the... So we, we've got no Yuri's left. We're we are completely free of Yuri. We started with three. So, you know, in a horror movie, if you're black, you get killed off first. Yeah, the Yuri's. In Russian ski trips, if you're Yuri... You're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Yuri's are gone. So they were both in their undies with no shoes on. The tree branches were snapped up to, like, about five foot up the tree and they were I I listened to a podcast on this and they said there were bits of like flesh in the bark like as if they'd cut they'd been yeah. scrambling to get up and cut themselves I, I called a human meat instead of flesh <laughs> which I feel like says something about me <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah there was there was some Good, tasty human meat in the park. That's the discussion um, we had earlier about your need for a nipple belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just dangle that in and then not allow it. Yeah, all. that's it. We're not talking about that again. Um, yeah, but that would suggest that they were trying to look for something, which maybe they'd left the torch on top of the tent so they could find it afterwards if they left in a hurry so maybe they were climbing up on the tree to try and find where the light was um so between the tree and then back to the camp they found the bodies of one of the girls which was zanada and one of the boys rustum i like his name 
and then the leader, Igor Dyatlov. Um, and the poses they died in, it looked like they were trying to get back to the tent. Um, but they were all separate. They were all like on the head in the same direction, but they weren't together. So on the 4th of May, so they, they found at this point five of the nine people. So on the 4th of May, which was more than two months later, um, everything starts to thaw and they find the four remaining people under four meters of snow. Um, and they're like in a ravine in the woods. So, but, um, and the, the second woman who was obviously one of the four, she was wearing, um, so Georgie Uri, she was wearing his trousers, which were ripped and burned, which is kind of weird. Although there was a fire at the, where they were found, like a, a fire they'd made, but why would you burn your clothes? I think they were intentionally burned. But to burn your trousers, like if a sleeve was burned or something, but to burn your trousers. Yeah. But they were ripped and burned. Um, or well, they might have been trying to use them as fuel for the fire. Possibly, but surely they'd be too damaged to wear them. Mm. But she was wearing his um, trousers and her left foot and shin were wrapped in a ripped jacket. Um, which would suggest that they died first and she'd found them taking their clothes to try and keep warm. Um, oh, and that's why they were naked. I thought that yeah. was a bit weird. Well, so they started the inquest as soon as they found the first five because um, obviously it took like another two months to find the other ones. Apologies. Um... So that's the two who were under the tree and then the three that were running back to camp. Um, they didn't find any injuries and they just put it down to hypothermia. Um, Rustam had a little cat, like gash in his skull, but they said it, wasn't, it couldn't have killed him. Um, so they just put them all down to hypothermia. The other four bodies, um, so you had Nikolai, his skull had been crushed. You had the other, uh, the second girl, Lyudmila, Lyudmila, Lyudmila. I have no idea how to say that. Sorry, Lyudmila. Sorry if you're listening. Yeah, so sorry, Lyudmila. Uh, and Semyon both had fractured chests. Um, uh, but Lyudmila also had, um. Her eyes, tongue, parts of her lips, parts of her facial tissue, and parts of her skull were missing. Yeah. So she she had a bad time of it. Sounds like it. She also what? What was the thing they called the bad time? Oh, it's a bit she had big boobs and blonde and they made her with small clothes, and that's how she was killed. It's always the way in horror films. Um. She also had really soggy hands from the water. Oh, I'm not victim blaming. I'm saying no. that's what they do in horror films. But she was found face down in a stream, so they reckon most of her injuries were just from being in water for so long. Yeah, I suppose she um, could have just disintegrated. Yeah, so it's not likely that that's what actually killed her. You said. This four, are these four the first four that were found or the second, second four? Second four. Right. Um, 
But with the the ones who are the broken bones, that like obviously all of them are broken bones, but other than her head and face, they had no like external injuries. It was just the bones had been broken, like as if it was like pressure or something. Yeah. Um so that was strange. So journalists got hold of some of the coroner's inquest. Um, so the this is just snippets from what they got from it. So six of the group members died of hypothermia, three of fatal injuries. There were no indications of other people nearby on Colatsiaco, um, apart from the nine travellers. The tent had been ripped open from within. The victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal. Traces from the camp showed that all group members left the campsite of their own accord on foot. High levels of radiation were found on only one of the victims' clothing. Um, to, uh, oh, I'll go into that later. Um, released documents contained no information about the condition of the skiers' internal organs. There were no survivors of the incident. Um, so... And they also said that the injuries couldn't have been caused by another human being because the force of the blows had been too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. Um, so the final victim, the final verdict was that all the members had died because of a compelling natural force, which is creepy as fuck. I don't feel like that's a final verdict. No. But the inquest was closed on May the 59th due to the absence of a guilty party. Um, it's like... Um in the Bermuda Triangle when they were like oh yeah we conclude there's something weird happened <laughs> yeah that is the conclusion that's our final <laughs> yeah um the files were sent to a secret archive in April 2018 the remains were exhumed by Russian journalists um some reports agreed oh yeah so Dr. Boris who's the pathologist didn't bother pronouncing him because I just love calling him Dr. Boris. Dr. Boris said the force that would have caused so much damage to him would have been like being in a car crash. Yeah. So this, these journalists who exhumed him... <laughs> I just said that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah correct. That's what I was going to yeah, say. When, when I examined them. <laughs> <laughs> so when they were exhumed by these Russian journalists, they got them retested and they agreed that it was some, looked like someone who'd been hit by a car. Um, but the DNA analysis didn't reveal any similarities to the DNA of living relatives, which is kind of weird. Um, it also turned out that the name of Semyon Zolotarev is not on the list, which is one of the figures, is no, not on the girl. list of names buried at the cemetery that he's supposedly buried in. So what they, but they did like a reconstruction of his face, you know, like they can do with the, from yeah. the skull and it did look like photos of him from when he was alive so what they think is that he was hiding under someone else's identity after the war okay. so they think that that was why there was no record of his name um, so theories about how it happened so the initial um, speculation Dude. <laughs> um the initial speculation was that, so on the area where they were hiking, um, there was indigenous people there called the Mansi. Um, 
there was a see people obviously being in the wonderful racist 50s decided that they'd attacked them for coming onto their land um but apart from the fact that there was no other footprints there like they were just the pathologist just said there was no way a person could do this like yeah and there was no sign of like a struggle or anything like they'd fought anyone or anything like that um so a lot of people said it could have been an avalanche um an american author called benjamin radford said um this is a quote that the group woke <laughs> i said that like it was a new idea a quote <laughs> this is what we call a quote <laughs> Uh, so if someone says something and I say it word for word because I didn't want to do the research myself. Um, so he said that the group woke up in a panic and cut their way out of the tent because an avalanche had covered the entrance to their tent or because they were scared that an avalanche was imminent. Better to have a potentially repairable slit in the tent than risk being buried alive in it under tons of snow. They were poorly clothed because they had been sleeping and ran to the safety of the nearby woods where trees would help slow oncoming snow in the darkness and night they got separated into two or three groups one group made a fire hence the burned hands while the others tried to did i mention that by the way some of them had the guys under the tree their hands were burned um on their trousers um while the others tried to return to the tent to recover their clothing since the dagger had <laughs> danger <laughs> Did you write dagger? <laughs> no, just decided that's what I said. Well, the others tried to return to the tent to recover their clothing since the danger had apparently passed. But it was too cold and they all froze to death before they could locate their tent in the darkness. At some point, some of the clothes may have been recovered or swapped from, from the dead. But at any rate, the group of four whose bodies were most severely damaged were caught in an avalanche and buried under four metres of snow. That's 13 foot for people who go by feet um more than enough to account for the compelling natural force the medical examiner described dubonina's tongue that's the one where everything was missing from her head dubonina's tongue was likely removed by scavengers and ordinary pred predation which i guess is predators yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but the thing is there was no signs of an avalanche so like Said it would, they said it would have left certain patterns and debris that just wasn't there. Well, surely um, the tent would have been, like, knocked over. Well, the tent was covered in snow, but yeah, they like, said it was It was just a thin layer, and it was a thin layer on their bodies. Like, it was likely that that just fell from the sky afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Again, describing snow like it's a new idea. It just fell, but, but like, like, from if, the sky. You know, if it was enough to crush yeah, their bodies, Yeah, if it was an avalanche, then, then yeah. It would have crushed a tent. It, it was... And it, they said if there was enough snow to sweep away the second group, then the first group would have been swept away as well. There's no reason why yeah. they would still be left up there and then the others would have gone down. Um, and they would have caused more serious injuries to both the bodies and the tree line. The trees would have been destroyed as well. They would have been injured. Also, <laughs> <laughs> um, over a hundred expeditions have been held in the area since. None have reported any signs that an avalanche could happen. The equipment shows as an unlikely place for an avalanche to occur. Um, also, they're much like less likely in February because the snow isn't melting. Yeah. They're like they're more likely to happen in the summer. Um, and they were both Tiatlov and Zolot 
sorry of, can't remember whose first name that is, I'm assuming it's the older guy. Um, they were both too experienced, they wouldn't have put their camp in the path of a potential avalanche. Um, and the foot patterns weren't of some, the footprints weren't of somebody who was running away from danger, they were like walking at a normal pace. Yeah, that's well weird, isn't it? Um, they cut their way out of the tents, but then just walked away casually. So also, if there was an avalanche, you wouldn't see footprints. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, so another possible ex- explanation. How many times am I going to say exclamation? <laughs> I, when I tried to say that, I sound like I had a lisp. Jesus Christ. Okay, so another possible explanation is a catabatic wind. Uh, which is basically like really dense air that comes down a slope. Yeah. Um, it's Again, rare. sounding like I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> um, it's rare, but they can be extremely violent. A sudden catabatic wind would have made it impossible to stay in the tent, and they may have covered the tent with snow to keep it there, and then sought shelter in the trees. Um, cause the torch was left on top, which made it seem like they intended to come back and find it. Um, there's a chance that the groups constructed shelters from the wind, but one collapsed, which caused the injuries. Um, which I guess could cause like internal injuries without harming the soft tissue, couldn't it? If, if it collapses on them, it would crush, crush yeah. them. But then surely it would still be on them when they're found, do you know what I mean? Whatever yeah. they've made the shelter out of, if it's heavy enough to crush yeah. them, surely it wouldn't float off. <laughs> <laughs> you know? No, yeah. Um, well, what happened with the second wind came? Yeah, it just blew that <laughs> away, but left them there. Yeah. Um, so another potential wind-based explanation (laughs) (laughs) is infrasound um apparently when certain winds can cause infrasound i feel like that sounds wrong but that is the word i've written twice thrice so it must be right it can cause infrasound um which can cause panic attacks in people could have made them kind of lose their mind a little bit, run off in panic, flip myself in the face then, <laughs> But then again, footprints don't seem to be running, but it's a, it could have made them flee, and by the time they were further downhill, they were out of the path, so they kind of came back to their senses, but it was too dark to find their way back, and the, the people in the ravine could have just accidentally gone over the edge of a cliff into the ravine because it was dark so okay. but I, like other well, how does infrasound make a panic attack do I strike you as someone who understands infrasound <laughs> yeah, you spent a long time trying to convince yourself that it wasn't a word so it's um it, I, by, by the sounds of what I was reading it seems like it confuses you it kind of it's some um, below human or yeah. So it just fucks with your head, basically. Yeah. Um, like, like brown noise makes you shit yourself. So I feel like that's kind. Of, really? 
That's what I saw on an episode of Brainiac Science. Why have you never was... told me about this? <laughs> Ever. <laughs> so a lot of things I saw on Brainiac Science of which we've not discussed. Yeah, but you know how much I need help shitting. <laughs> Jack, cut that out. <laughs> it's never helped me shit. Um, okay, and all the time, just write it. Um, yeah. So, that I mean, that one I feel like, that and the wind one could potentially be right and there's just aspects of it that like maybe they miss like the footsteps thing yeah. is just a yeah it, like it must be really hard to track weeks old snow footprints yeah so i feel like either of those could potentially be right although the the catabatic wind is rare so it's unlikely but it's possible um it's, and there was also another there was something that I think it, it happened in like two thousand and eight or something. It was pretty recent, but it was another similar sort of thing happened. I think in America, and that was caused by catabatic wind. And it said it it was quite. I, I haven't looked into it very much, but it seemed like it was quite similar the the ways that they died. Okay. So it's potential. Another explanation, which I really want to believe is true. This is the one I want to believe. Just because it's the most interesting, even though it's terrible. Um, so there's speculation that the campsite was within the path of a Soviet parachute mine uh, exercise. Okay. So parachute mine is not, as I assumed, a parachute that blows up. It's a, when you send a mine down with a parachute and it blows up midair. I was really excited at the thought of people coming down on parachutes and kind of kamikaze and then they blow up and like... <laughs> But, I gotta be yeah. honest, that's where my mind went. Yeah, as well, yeah. So. <laughs> um, the explosion could have woken them up, made them leave without all their stuff. Um, some of them might have decided to try and just ride it out, and they froze to death. And then the others who went back for their stuff to stop them freezing to death were fatally injured by the mines, which would explain the injuries. Yeah. Um, there are records of parachute mines being tested in the area at the time that they were there. People um, reported sightings of glowing orange orbs floating and falling from the sky in the vicinity of the Hygas. Um, um, parachute mines, yeah, par- like I said, parachute mines detonate in the air, which could have caused the injuries without the external trauma. How? Just the blast. It's, yeah, it's, I guess so. It's the force. The force of the blast, yeah. like. Um, and then the animals could have caused the yeah. loss of her eyes and everything. Another similar explanation is radiological weapons. This one sounds a bit weak to me. Um, there's a theory that the radiological weapons were te- tested in the area due to the fact that there was radioactivity on some of the clothing, but it was only on one person's clothes. And it was like a small amount, so I feel like there's if they were testing. Is he wearing his plutonium jacket? <laughs> if they were testing radiological weapons in the area, it wouldn't have just touched no, one person's clothes. Yeah. Um, however, Yuri, the the relatives described the bodies as having orange skin and grey hair, and Yuri Yudin, the guy who survived he went to some of their funerals and he said they had a deep tan. Um, but that could have just been mummification. Yeah. So. Um, well, 
they probably have to be quite significantly re like poop like you know our funeral homes yeah yeah and if they went to a coroner's court they would have then ended up being if they were to have an open casket which they must yeah. have done they would have had like been given formaldehyde and stuff which does make you a yellowish color there we go it's a doctor's take on it yeah. um and dissected dead bodies i know what color they are um a lot of people have picked up on the thing of them putting the report into the secret location but apparently that's actually um standard practice for the ussr when it's like a domestic incident yeah that's just what they did so that's not like evidence of a cover-up that's it's just just what happens um the last major one is hypothermia which does make sense this is the one I've always assumed to be right until I looked into it. Um, the International Science Times said the cause was hypothermia, which would explain them removing the clothes. Because I'm assuming you know this, but when you have hypothermia, you often take off your clothes because... They're cold. Yeah, you feel like... And you get confused. Um, and it's undisputed that six of the hikers died of hypothermia. Um... But the other ones were wearing the clothes of the of the people who'd already yeah. died, so they obviously weren't confused. And but then they could have fallen off the the edge, like it, yeah. you know, if it got dark, they could have tripped off, or it could have been any of the other explanations that caused them to fall in. Really, why did they leave the tent though? That's the thing, isn't it? That's the thing that doesn't explain. That would, I mean, if they had hypothermia in the tent, that would explain them panicking and leaving because you get confused, don't you? Well, maybe but the first lot left first, and then the same was like, well, let's maybe go find them. Maybe they weren't yeah. as cold, and then they yeah. just, you know, took a long walk off a short cliff and ended up in the ravine. There's also claims they were killed by a yeti. Or, this is what I was waiting for. Yeah, a spirit called a mink, uh, which is like a forest spirit. Mm-hmm. As some of the search party claimed to have seen footprints on the scene that were larger than human ones, and they claimed they were never included in the official report. Um, also, a Russian... So, so on the documentary that claims this, um, the narrator says that she tried for months to gain access to the report, and when she eventually did... She saw that the start date of the investigation was the 6th of February, which was 10 days before they were reported missing. Um, But the documentary was called Russian Yeti, The Killer Lives. So so that's pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In 99, the the university, the Ural State Technical University, founded the Dyatlov Foundation to try and raise money to keep the investigation going and to maintain the Dyatlov Museum, Ooh. which we're going to have to add to our Ooh, yeah, road trip. Oh, yeah, I'll add it to the list. Yeah. Um, Yuri Yudin died in 2013, aged like 70-something, four, five, Are you looking at me? Three. I don't know how old he was. Mm. So he was in his 20s and 59. He was 70-something. I think he was 75. Um, but... In February of this year, the Russian authorities reopened the investigation 
but they're only considering three possible explanations an avalanche a snow lab avalanche don't know what that is a snow avalanche a snow lab avalanche that snow lab sounds like a dog (laughs) is that separate to avalanche yeah or a hurricane the possibility of crime has been completely discounted i think that's probably fair i mean how often can you well maybe if you committed the crime I, I would say that, wouldn't I? Yeah, you would. Are you sure you didn't mean snow slab avalanche? Yeah, I probably did. Um, so that's that's pretty much it. Um, not much news on the re-investigation, but to be honest, I'm not interested in any of those explanations anyway, unless it's military testing or yetis, I don't really give shit. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> I like the human meat part. Thanks. I like how no one had any other roads. They were just like, yeah, that's what happened. They climbed a tree. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think happened? I think probably... Um, let me let me find what I think. I think probably wind is the most likely out of those explanations. But I think there's maybe a bit of a few different ones. Yeah. I think you can take pieces from a few of them and piece it together. Um... And I think yeah, there's I just think a it's bit. It's gonna be the same one for each. I think the first lot probably got, like a. I think the most the most baffling bit is why they left the tent in the yeah. first place. Because the rest of it, I feel like, can quite easily be explained away by like animals or confusion or Maybe. falling in the dark, yeah. whatever. I think it's they the probably cutting did their way out of a tent. And then wandering down yeah. the side of a mountain. I, I wonder always... where the bay got in. I always, I, so I wondered that an animal, yeah. <laughs> but that could be the big paw print, the big footprint. Exactly. So we've got a yeti, and um, then we've got the wind killing the first lot, and then an avalanche killing the second lot. And I think I always, lot, yeah. I always accepted hypothermia was why they had no clothes on, but since t- to me it's just obvious that the other group lived longer, found them dead, and took their clothes to keep warm. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. So, I don't think them having been in their underwear and not having shoes on really suggests hypothermia. Although they, they're not disputing that they died of hypothermia, the first group. So, I think that's kind of just, that's definitely how they died. But oh, yeah, that was coronary. The second group true. is the one they don't really know how they died. But also, why did they leave the tent? Why did they cut their way out of the tent? But also make it seemed as if they were prepared to come back. It seemed like they needed to leave quickly, but they intended to come back. So they let, they put the snow on it to stop it from, from to stop them losing the tent. They put the torch on top and left it on. That seems like it, it was done intentionally. Well, see, if they thought it was going to be an avalanche or something, that would make sense. Yeah, but then also. What if they're in such a rush that they need to cut their way out of the tent? Why would they then stop to do all of that? You know? Yeah. And also the footprints, they th- seem to be barefoot, which I feel like that that's easier to tell. Barefoot yeah. footprints. So why would they run in barefoot? Boots take a long time. Like, they're going to have snow boots, big boots. Yeah, but it would take a lot to leave in the snow for when you don't know how long without shoes on, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I don't know. No, a mystery. I've never heard of this one. Yeah. 
I'm not really gonna. I'm not. I can't really decide what I think it is. Oh, it's an interesting one, though, isn't it? I wanted to be a yeti. I wanted to be military testing, or aliens, but military testing. Aliens didn't even come up for me. Aliens, well, that's so. because I'm smarter than everyone else. Um, yeah. um, maybe the aliens have wiped the internet of their presence. Mm-hmm. Who knows? It's a confuser. Confu- it's a confuser. It's a confuser. It's a confuser. It's a confuser. Well done. I enjoyed that. that Thank great. you. I'm looking forward to hearing yours. I am about to begin it. <laughs> <laughs> and see. Do you have an interest in history? Or does school just not really do it for you? Did your teacher get arrested for stealing from Debenhams? If any of these is true, then listen to I Don't Know History every other Tuesday, brought to you by PodMage.com, where I, Alex, will be teaching... Me, RJ. ...all about history. For example, RJ, can you name me three Tudor monarchs? Uh... Listen to I Don't Know History, where you can learn a little bit more about history too. Available on all good podcasting platforms. So, Porsche... What would you say if I told you I was a sad, sad post-teen caught up in the love machine? Zombies! Zombies! Ah! <laughs> oh, oh mate, that was the best intro. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate it. I fucking loved TVC. It could have gone either way because you're a very opinionated person. I was like, she's going to hate this or she's going to love it. No, I love it. So, TVC, yeah. if you're listening, mate. <laughs> yeah, we'll pop you on the show. Um, pop yeah, we'll. Uh, <laughs> you could use the. It really was. My dad listens to this. Um, <laughs> um, we I, we know you could probably use the the publicity boost. Yeah. <laughs> so you're welcome. Oh, it's zombies! Zombies! Oh, so, I'm so excited. What is the zombie? Portia McGrath. A zombie is. Oh, how would we describe it? Someone with no free will. That's a good start. They are capable of thinking, really. Okay. But they're still capable of like motor functions and like eating brains. That's actually like. Pretty close to the sort of zombies that I'm going to be talking about. Yes. Because um, I'm not going to be talking about your Hollywood zombies. Um, but um, sort of like natural zombies. I'm um, excited about this because I love this kind of thing. Also, I feel like I'm sitting in an appropriate chair. Ow. You are a Haitian queen right now. Yeah, right. Um, so we're going to go down to Haiti. Um, where zom- the tombs, well, I don't even know if the term zombies started there. Probably not, but that's where zombies originate. Um, I can't, can I just say I can't believe how much we get to travel on this podcast. I know, like, it's great. We have great. such a high budget for travel, it's incredible. Yeah, um, so I got a lot of the information from, um, for this session, session? <laughs> um, someone's been playing too much D&D um, for this segment from the Stuff You Should Know podcast from the House of Works mm-hmm. team um, familiar yes um, <laughs> I went 
going back through years and years and years of podcasts trying to find this. I was like, there's got to be one. There's got to be. Um, and there was. So you know, know there's a, a search function on most podcasts. Yeah, but then I, right? I, I found that it was there. But then to find it, I had to scroll back all the way uh, through okay, to get okay. there. So don't don't you... <laughs> Grandma, this is Google. My, my technology with you, okay? <laughs> Your technology. <laughs> I thought you were going to say technology, and that works really well. I like it. So a zombie is a dead person who is brought to, um, in terms of, from Haiti in this situation, who is brought back to life by a voodoo or necromancy that destroys the mental powers of the person in the process. Um... Thousands of people in Haiti are considered to be zombies who lead everyday lives with families, jobs, and are respected citizens. Um, it, the culture of zombies is so um, ingrained into Haitian culture that it's actually part of their penal code um, in Article 249. Is that um, law? Yeah. And it actually um, says that deliberately making a zombie still counts as murder, basically. Yeah, it should be. It should also be qualified as attempted murder, the employment which may be made against any person of substances which, without causing actual death, produce a lethargic coma more or less prolonged. That's wild. If they would be done for murder without causing death. Yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? If after the person had been buried, the act shall be considered murder no matter what results follow. So that's basically saying, if we bury them because we think they're dead and they come back to life, they're still, we still murdered them. We buried them in the sand. Up, up, and then crafted boobs onto them. Then you are going to jail. So the way the voodoo is carried out um, in the form of making zombies in Haitian, Haiti, <laughs> Haiti, um, Haiti, Haiti. I've always said. I think that's right. The voodoo practitioner makes a potion, um, which consists mainly of the toxin from the puffer fish, Ooh. which is one of the strongest neurotoxins known to man. Like so, Exactly. One fish, two fish, blue fish, doe fish. Is the name <laughs> of that episode. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer eats a puffer fish and they're afraid he's going to die because it's a delicacy, um, but you've got to avoid the toxic glands. Um, yes. But it's a tetradodox toxin, which is very hard to say. Um, what is it again, please? Tetradodoxin, or tetradotoxin, um, which um, completely, essentially, shuts down the body. So when given to the victim... It can cause severe neuro damage, neurological damage, um, primarily affecting the left side of your brain, um, which affects speech, memory, and motor skills. Um, the victim comes really tired and slow, and then seems to die. And the pulse. Um, <laughs> That's me on a Monday. <laughs> the pulse and rest, um, respiratory rate um, comes so slow that you, it looks like they're dead. It's almost impossible yeah. to identify them as alive. Um, however, during this, the victim retains full awareness oh, as they are taken to hospital, awful. the morgue, and then buried. Oh my god! Oh no! 
Oh, I don't like it. I'm, I'm not ready to move on from that yet. That's horrible. <laughs> imagine, imagine the panic. How long does it know we're off at all? Uh, yeah, it does. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, good good job. Job. Oh. So, um, well, no, well, it doesn't wear off until you're exhumed. So your the voodoo practitioner will then exhume the person from their grave, give them a, like an antidote and bring them back. And then the victim is to become their slave. They've had quite a bit of brain damage from this as well, so a lot of them will just do it. Yeah. Um, the soul of the person who has been cap- been zombified is captured by the boko, which is, I believe a boko is like the voodoo practitioner, like a spiritual thing. Um, and then the body is considered reanimated, and it's often tre- used as... Okay. Yeah. It's also used as a pun- it's considered to be used as a punishment for severe wrongdoing. So like fucking up with your society and Jesus Christ. Like really bad ones. It's intense. Um, that's, wor- that's worse than capital punishment, isn't it? I'd rather be killed than turn into a zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Um it said the most of the slaves working in the sugar plantations of Haiti um, were considered to be zombies because they were very robot-like. Well, so, and this is going on today? Um, yeah, I think so. So we could be getting, we could be buying sugar that's been imported from Haiti and that could have been made by zombies. Zombie sugar. And if you give a zombie some salt, that can reverse the curse. Oh, I can think of a zombie. <laughs> it's salt, not salt. I, I was thinking of salt. Give master. Zombie is free. And when that happens, um, the zombie is compelled to kill the boker who did it to them. Yeah. Not surprising. And then they return to their they place of burial and live out the rest of their death. What? So they don't even get real life? Well, I think they want... At that point, wouldn't you want to just be dead? Yeah, that's the big difference between you and I. <laughs> wow. Um, we'll put the number for the Samaritans. <laughs> if you are triggered by any of the content. Oh, no. If um, you please... too have been made into a zombie. <laughs> so the salt, right? That's like an antidote to the puff of fish, yeah? Well, I'm not sure how... How is the salt scientific or is it voodoo? It's voodoo. Ah, uh, okay, okay, it's fine then. It's bullshit. So, um, a film was made about Haitian zombies by Wes Craven. Reanimate it. Called The Serpent and the Rainbow. Oh, I'm gonna have to watch it. I like Wes Craven. Oh, fucking um, shit. But it's based. Apologies, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Oh my dad. <laughs> so sorry again for letting stop. <laughs> sorry for calling you my dad. <laughs> so Wes made a film called The Serpent and the Rainbow. Wes. 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 My mate Wes. <laughs> this happens when I read people's names. Do you know like I, used do to, the same. You, I can't help it. Like I yeah. used to call like JK Rowling Joe. <laughs> That's right next to the mic. <laughs> Get some ASMR going, you know. 
zombified the listeners. I'm just going to wait for you to finish. I just want to let you all know, Portia is trying to open a little pot of, like, um, bubble, bubble, tea bubble. bubble tea bubbles. So she can put them in her Budweiser. <laughs> you guys try new things. That is delightful. Right. I buy them and I eat them like jelly sometimes because I just love them so much. Do you know my favourite thing about bubble tea? And I want this to be left and I want everyone to know, right? If you get like a good few bubbles, put them all in your mouth, pop them on, drink the insides or whatever, and then you're left with the skin. And when you chew it, it tastes like skin. Like, you know when you bite a bit of your mouth off and then you like chew it and it's like mouth skin? That's what it tastes like. And that's your favourite thing about bubble tea, eating skin. But she wants us to leave this in so everyone can hear it. <laughs> it's a life hack. Yeah. Bubble me, bitch. <laughs> Bubble me up, sucker. Okay. Well, you got a bit of juice there as well. Oh. The juicy. <laughs> juicy, juicy. Juicy Lucy. Enjoy. Okay. Um... So where's crazy? <laughs> I like how you were talking and you're like doing your bubbles. You're like, so that's right. We're going to show up in the rainbow. <laughs> oh, this is the most fun I've ever had during this podcast. <laughs> Guys, right? So today, um, I was talking with a friend who I can't name for legal reasons. <laughs> um, I was saying about my favourite perfume in the world, right, is... Um, is Vera Wang, Rock Princess, right? Great perfume. Love it. My favourite perfume ever. And I always feel like I should wear it when I'm going on a night out. And I've never been able to figure out why like, it feels right to wear it on a night out. And why it like, makes me feel so happy. And I recently realised it's because it smells exactly like Blue WKD. Which is, you know, childhood happiness juice. So... Yeah. You're, you're still, you know, really encouraging this alcoholic image. My favourite perfume smells like the booze I used to drink <laughs> as a child. As a child. <laughs> okay, so Wes Craven um, made a film. Tell me what it's called. It's called The Serpent and the Rainbow. And it's based on a true story written by Dr. Wade Davis. That's the name that we haven't heard yet because I never got that far. <laughs> So Wade Davis went to Haiti. Uh, I need to learn how to say Haiti. 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 Haiti, man. In the early 1980s, for the Zombie Project, to investigate a man called Clavius Narcissa. That's a fucking great name. I know. Wait, I'm gonna Narcissa. remove everything from your being. <laughs> Just trying to wipe up the juice. So Clavius um, claimed he died. 18 years before he met Dr. Davis. He's all said that to get out of an event. <laughs> he had been pronounced dead by American doctors, um, which I have written here means they were a big deal. <laughs> um, well, being American? Yeah, they were like real doctors, not the... Not the shit British ones. Yeah. Um, so It's funny because Brett Beth and so. British I am a shit British doctor. Called you Preston now. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Preston. Um, Davis hypothesised that Clavius had been put into a coma by a boker 
or a sorcerer or a, pro- a voodoo practitioner who used a pufferfish tetrodoxin, tetrodotoxin, tetrodotoxin, um, <laughs> putting him out. Are you trying to rap? <laughs> putting him out long enough for him to be buried, and then he was given something called Datura Stramonium, um, which uh, created a zombie-like compliant state, and then he got he went to work on the plantation. <laughs> the logical next step. Yeah. So, um, the the stuff that they used to bring them uh, to bring them back, um, they would. Oh, it might have been the stuff they used to put them to sleep in the first place. I can't really remember. Um, they would use um like an abrasive, corrosive, um, material. I think it's made from frogs. Um, yeah, uh, like frog poison, um, to break the skin and like make the skin crack, and then when they rub the puffer fish toxin on, it would sink into the blood. Oh my god, just do a little pinprick test, didn't it, on the finger? That's well intense. Well, the the whole thing is quite intense. Um, but largely zombification was used as punishment, as I said, by the ban, (laughs) by the bazango. Um, a bazango is like a, a secret, it's like the stonecutters of Haiti. Oh, shit. Um, That's another topic for another day. Mm-hmm. The None. bazango. The bazango. That's exa- it's what Sheldon Cooper says when he's made a terrible joke. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible joke. Bazango. bazango. <laughs> um, so, some of this, some of these very serious crimes included a family member going against the community's will. The one of the things that has been hypothesised about this is that these sort of, like those toxins and, um, and everything wouldn't work in a in a westernised culture because it's all about existing in that myth. And in that sort of culture where it's widely believed, it's all very ritual-based. So now we're going to talk about eating brains. The ants. Not the ants. So there are a number of um, neurological diseases which are carried, um, work through prions, which um, which include um, mad cow disease, does it really turn them mad? I didn't know that. I thought that was just like the name of it, but I thought they just frothed at the nose or something. Um, well, it's... That's cold, isn't it? I'm thinking of. <laughs> Do you froth at the nose if you've got a cold? Yeah. Um, fatal familial insomnia is one, and kuru is one. Familiar. Familial. Familiar, so it goes down through the families. Yeah. Shit. What about Kuru? What's that? <laughs> Sorry, that was so, um, sounded so scripted. <laughs> tell me more. Now tell me about Kuru. So first I'm going to just talk to you about prion diseases anyway, okay. because prion diseases are really fascinating. Um, so prions are abnormally shaped proteins which have no genetic material. Um, which are essential for life just generally. Like, we have a lot of them, we don't really know what they do, they're just proteins. Um, they um, are 
we don't know what all of them do, I should say. We know generally what they do. They first learn the defences against invaders, so infections. But they're also really important in long-term memory function. Oh, oh and they, they're in the brain. That's probably important to know. Um, proteins misfold all the time by accident. The body is constant. It's like a massive like trial and error sort of system. Um, and that's, that's not confidence. No, it's not. Um, but it is, and um, it, or it's like a huge factory, and you do get for every hundred successful toys that come out of it, one of them is gonna look like Satan's offspring, and it's just how it works. Um, <laughs> unless the toy you wanted was Satan's offspring, and then a few things that have come out of me have looked like Satan's offspring. <laughs> So, proteins do misfold all the time throughout the body, and that's normal. Well, um, well, but what usually happens. happens is they just they just don't work, and we're just okay, and your body just gets over it. What do proteins do when they're properly folded? Uh, anything. Um, every your body is made of proteins. Everything in your body is proteins, um, other than like this your cells which have nucleus and are living, and then it's your proteins which are things like your enzymes which digest your food and metabolize medicine and um, proteins will also make up the um, elements of the immune system and they just proteins are everywhere they're very very important but usually when they don't work they just uh, when they fold they just stop working and just get uh, eventually sort of get cleared from the system in some way and we don't really give a shit um, I've written that down <laughs> And we don't really care. Um, <laughs> um, the problem with uh, prions is they don't just become inactive when they misfold. When they come into contact with another prion, it causes that prion to misfold. Oh, shit. So it's sort of like, it's like multiplying. It's, it's, it's infectious. Prions are infectious um, oh. when they misfold. Obviously, um, as they misfold, more misfold, um, which causes more of a problem. Not because the proteins aren't usable, which is a problem in itself, but more because they accumulate and you can't have that much sort of toxic byproduct just sitting in your brain. Right. So that then they sort of get in the way of regular cellular function, causing the neurons, which I've written neutrons down, which is not right. <laughs> Jimmy neurons. <coughs> the Jimmy neutrons then degenerate <coughs> and die. Um, um, this is actually, in every disease which this is in, is called transmissible spongiform encephalopathy. So... Ooh. Spongy. Spongy. Um, <laughs> transmissible means... It, it's transmissible. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think you're an idiot. Um, spongiform means it looks like a sponge. And encephalopathy is um, pathology of the brain. Okay, now you patronise me because like, I don't know what encephalopathy means. Well, maybe our listeners don't. <laughs> I'm assuming they know what transmissible means. but um, So, basically, you get like holes in your brain and it looks like a sponge because of that. I've also heard it Reference to it as cheese brain. Um, Swiss cheese favorite brain. Is that anything to do with dementia? 
Because you bring a small, I don't know. No, um, prions aren't involved in dementia. Okay. Um, but cells dying. The problem with the brain is that it doesn't regenerate like other cells. Um, right. So that's why your brain gets smaller. It's and your brain that's, gets smaller with age. It's that's like a normal the answer thing. to um to fixing dementia. Then is we need to work out how to how to regenerate cells in the brain. It is. This is the problem. And we fixed it, then, we? You've just solved Alzheimer's. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to let people know if they want to pay money into our Patreon, we'll solve breast cancer next. Oh, cool. That's All right. Um, that's awesome. So, yeah, that's that's a prion disease. And um, that, is, that is the same as Marco disease, is it? Or is that just an example of a prion disease? It's an example of. Okay. Um, so, infection always begins in the mouth. Really? And it's always fatal. Oh, fuck. Uh, often, um, as you can imagine, it's silent clinically for years because it takes a while for those prion, misfolded prions to build up. Um, so the examples that we have, we have Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. Um, Say that again. Creutzfeldt-Jakob. Oh, I like that. Um, a nice word. And something else, which is a, which I'll touch on in a bit, and Kuru, and this fatal familial insomnia, which sounds fucking awful. So Kuru is a particularly interesting one. Um, I, scary dog. Oh my god, what the hell's like the dog's name? Hujo. Hujo, thank you. I mean, I've read that book, it was boring. Um, oh, fuck you. I didn't say things about Stephen King. I love Stephen King. Lovely man. And the ending made me cry and hurt my soul, so. Is it, I've never read it, but is it like Molly and me? No. No. Oh, it's not Molly and me. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was, it's not like Molly and me, not Anna and Molly. So, um, Papua, in Papua New Guinea, in the four people of, were widely known for their cultural practice of eating dead people's brains um, in order to help their souls pass the afterlife. I think it was one of those, like, waste-nothing sort of things. <laughs> what happened was, sporadic, uh, one person had sporadically had one of his prions misfold, and then he died, and is from... Uh, one... Well, yeah, and then it builds up. Oh, right, it? okay, sorry. It could have been just one. No, it probably was. It could have just been one. Really? But then he died, and his brain was eaten. So uh, this well, prion... It, wait, I'm worried now. You just said, you said that it happens all the time that they misfold. But he died from just one misfolding. No, he died anyway. Oh. So he randomly died. Oh, okay, okay. Ooh. <laughs> so then when his brain was eaten on death... <laughs> oh, it's such a weird sentence. Um, <laughs> the um, it got transmitted to the brain, and that's how Kuru started. That's how this spongy form encephalopathy started. Um, so the prions in the brain would start off with tremors, loss of coordination, and de- neurodegeneration. Um, I like how I had to show you what a treble was. <laughs> that was the bit that I didn't understand. <laughs> um, they also then develop like a lack of muscle control, emotional instability, famously sporadic laughter. Um, this is sounding not so much the laughter and that, but this is sounding a lot like dementia, isn't it? Well, 
I mean, your brain is dying. That is, um, it's the same pathology when you look at it. It's just different causes for it. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's the same pathology because your brain cells are dying in either one. Dysarthria, which is, um, the inability to articulate your speech, um, and difficulty swallowing. Eventually, people just stop fa- uh, just stop failing, just fail to react to anything, oh. and then they just die. They just stop living. Oh my god! Um, then when the four people stopped eating, they dead. The disease stopped spreading. Um, but obviously, this has a very very slow um, sort of incubation period. Um, 11 new cases were reported between 1996 and 2004, which suggests that the incubation period is of 50 plus years because Jesus people stopped Christ. eating brains back then. So, you have, it, I mean, it takes so long for these things to build up. That is like a real zombie disease where it's got eating brains, um, it's got sort of muscle problems, brain problems, and death. So, Love but it. no brain control. Which is one of my favourite ones. Yeah. Um, another sort of prion disease is the zombie deer disease, which is actually around now. I know this one and I like it. So this is called chronic wasting disease. Um, it's spreading amongst elk and deer in the USA. Aww. Um, related to bovine spongiform encephalopathy. Um, and it's thought to be transmissible to humans if you eat game, if you hunt and eat. Well, if you're going to hunt animals, you yeah. deserve it. Um, so after about a year of infection, the deer starts stumbling and acting confused and getting quite listless. Mm. And then they get a lot of like rapid weight loss. Hey. Perhaps I should Bambi when he was trying to walk on the house. Uh, almost definitely. Um, and the, um, because the prions are attacking the spinal tissue of the brain. Um, some some of them just died really suddenly, though. That's for the best, really. I, I would say so. Um, and it's probably better for us as humans as well, because you're, um, you're not going to hunt one that's... Had it brewing for a couple of months. Um, I don't care about us as humans. We deserve it. It's particularly concerning with wild animals because, at least with cattle, when Mad Cow started, they could just cull the domesticated animals. Yeah. But with wild ones, they just you can't stop them from from spreading it. So that's all of our prion diseases. I'm going to talk about. Um, Are we going to talk about bath salts next? Actually, no, I haven't got bath salts, I'm afraid. I, I've gone all of purely scientific. I'll talk to you about bath salts. Okay. <laughs> do you want to show me? <laughs> yeah, should we do a test like that? Um, we've also got something called sleeping sickness, which is a really sad condition, um, which is still very prevalent in Uganda. Um, one in three people are at risk of getting the disease. Jesus. And fifty to seventy thousand people die every year, and that's just reported. It's supposed, it's suspected to be far more. Mm. 
So this is caused by a parasite, um, Trypanosoma brucei, also known, um, which is transmitted by the fly, by the tse fly. The tse fly. Tse fly. I like that. So the fly produces a the fly. The parasite produces a chemical called tryptophil, which induces sleep. Um, causing headaches, aching muscles, and itching. Um, it then invades the brain, and as the disease progresses, um, I've written the symptoms become creepier. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I've written this so long ago. This is all <laughs> this like new. Um, so um, sufferers find it harder to concentrate. They become really irritable, um, and then this 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 speech starts slurring, not unlike mine just then. Um, they stop eating. Oh, um, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm um, They can't sleep at night, but find it impossible to stay awake during the day. Me. And then they start being unable to do simple tasks like drawing a straight line, and then they go into a coma and they die. Mm. And if you don't end up going into a coma and die, you get irreparable brain damage. Jesus Christ! And there's when it's just. There's no antidote to it. There is no treatment for sleeping sickness. Shit, man. Um, so, and um, because it's transmitted by a fly, yeah, you know, you it's do. exactly, it's horrific. And as I said, up to, well, um, a minimum of 50,000 people die this year. And that's not oh a small my number. God. That's horrendous. Yeah. Um, what and what you were to go? You knew nothing about it, obviously, because no. it's in a developing country. <sighs> yeah. When you're pregnant. At which time? <laughs> <laughs> I advise you not to clean out Jagger's literature. Try and stop me, bitch. <laughs> I are you telling me I can't eat the, the litter anymore? <laughs> so you're gonna I am. say. I am gonna tell you now about toxoplasmosis. I've heard of this. I've, I don't know anything about it, but I've heard that pregnant ladies can't uh, clean out litter trays yeah. because it makes them bad. This, this bit I also got from... Well, I knew about, I knew about it anyway, but I, um, I also I got... I knew about it before it was cool, so... Some of the information I, I got from stuff you should know. Um, I have well. learned that podcast. It's good. I should listen to it. It's good. Um, if I've got a topic in mind... It's one of the first places I go to see whether they've done anything on it for info. Mine is um, those conspiracy guys, I think it's called. Irish blogs. Okay. Um, I advise you to listen to that one. I know this is not the kind of conversation we should be having on air, but also I advise other people to listen to them because they're very good. Well, they do very long episodes, but they're enjoyable to listen to. We'll shut up at the end. It's cool. Well, we've already oh, we done it now. <laughs> um, yeah, stuff you should know is not just about like creepy stuff and stuff like that. And um, they, they like how how is rubber made and like um, they had a two a, a double episode on the Simpsons, which was one of my favorites. And it's just it's how just is really rubber made from trees. I don't know. I, I it was three years ago. I listened to that. So. Okay. Um, so toxoplasmosis is, um, or toxoplasma gondii. Should we call our band that? Toxoplasmosis. 
Well, now I'm thinking Tossin, but I was Gandhi. <laughs> Gandhi. Um, so um, this is what we call a zoonotic disease, um, meaning that you catch it from animals. Um, it's a parasite that's um, very similar to malaria, um, but it, it lives in cat's guts. It does come out in cat feces and becomes stronger when it's in the soil for some reason. But the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the parasite can only exist, only survive in the intestines of a cat. Oh, um, that's really, that's like going on house in the country and being like, listen, I've got a checklist. Yeah, like, if um, it doesn't have all of tastes. these very simple 15 things, <laughs> and, and it's under 20 grand, then yeah. I'm not interested. <laughs> um, you can also get it from vermin, because of reasons, Alex, and like livestock and animal especially livestock that lives on a farm with a cat so if the cat goes out and shits in the garden cows are like exactly um we all know that cows love the delicacy that is cat shit yeah um 80% of the population has toxoplasma toxoplasmosis <laughs> toxoplasmosis I know I, I know about it I think it's because you told me about it I think <laughs> when I got the cat you were all like yeah but don't die though when you change your attitude or something or other <laughs> probably <laughs> sounds like something I would say and I have a cat so um, it's 80% of the world's population um, only 7% of the UK but about a third of the developed world um, in the in humans it's the immune system does a pretty good job of controlling it um so you've got to be concerned if you are immunodeficient so if you've got aids or hiv or any other immuno, immuno diseases and um fetuses are also have an undeveloped immune system yeah, which is why they really are which is why pregnant women are advised not to empty out the cat litter because it can cause serious harm to the to the unborn baby. It travels to the brain and it can cause like a sort of Swiss cheese brain um, abscesses and things like that um, seen in HIV and things. Now my favourite thing about this is that the parasite will find its way back into a cat's intestine. <laughs> it will. Um, if it gets consumed by a vermin, a vermin, a, <laughs> a single vermin, um, it'll travel to the brain and suddenly the rat will become attracted rather than repelled to the smell of cat wee, meaning that the rats are going to spend more time around the cats and more likely to get oh, caught. that's clever. So then, exactly. Um, Rats normally have an innate fear. Yeah, of obviously understandably, they do. Um, you. But this is the only fear which is brought uh, changed. All their other fears are intact. Um, but rats would pr would choose in tests beds which have been soaked in cat wee. That's wild. It's madness. Um, so then the rats are just chilling. It also makes them much slower, like have slower reflexes. Um, so once the cat um, pulls her out, is it gone then, or do they have loads of them in in there? Well, yeah. I mean, it it's a it's a a small parasite, so it could, it's still in there. I mean, it doesn't bother the cat 
But the um, because they're attracted to cat wee and they reflex it slower, the rats are easier to catch. So then the cat can re-ingest the toxoplasma and it gets back to its home. That's all. The cat intestine. It's great. It's great. Um, Jagger's scared of rats, so we don't know. No, no qualms there. She's scared of everything that isn't me. So as we know, humans do have this latent infection. It doesn't cause massive problems, but they do have um, have been shown in studies to have a slower reflex time. They are two point five times more likely to be in a car accident. Um, and both men and women are actually affected in opposite ways. Toxo plus, I've written toxo women like that's the little culture. Toxo women are warm-hearted, conscientious, and outgoing. What an infectious personality! Yeah, and toxo men are less intelligent, frugal, dogmatic, and well-tempered. So women with cats are lovely. <laughs> men with cats are fucking dicks. <laughs> what the hell? Um, I, th- I, I think I might be a rock. <laughs> You're not mild-tempered. No, that's very right. true, actually. <laughs> but certainly not warm-hearted. <laughs> both become uh, neurotic, though. Um, they, they think this might be due to how it reacts with testosterone or something. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, dopamine is heavily affected by toxoplasmosis. And um, do- dopamine makes you happy. Yes. And dopamine does a lot of things in the body. It's, it's involved in like your reflexes and stuff as well. Um, it's not just a, an emotional based um, thing, but um, sometimes humans can get like a flu for like several weeks. But most of the times they say it doesn't really go much further than that, um, unless you unless you've got mm-hmm. HIV or something, and then you can get brain abscesses. And what if you straight up had the flu theoretically? Oh, it's just going to be as affected as before. Are you asking for you? <laughs> because my concerns are that you might need to just go to a, psycho, uh, <laughs> a psychiatrist rather than a Tanya bought a comic which I was going to read before today but I forgot um, um, they know <laughs> um, which is about toxoplasmosis uh, it's like it's about She's got a comic about I can't remember what it was called now um, it's a series and it's like the toxoplasmosis is treated as like it's a, a women only disease and women are treated it's like a, a social statement and a, a, the whole um comic is like a social commentary like a feminist then yeah Those bloody feminists talking about the cat shit did i t- did i ever tell you about the um the book series i did when i was a kid no you you would have enjoyed it a million lots it was um the, these about these little people and basically a human body was a hotel and these and it would just be like these little people and they'd give people tours around the body and tell them about how stuff worked and like you might be in the liver and they'd have all these features and stuff. Oh, that's very cute. And there's a little bag boy and he'd carry a bag from view and through the, the, the little lift which was the blood cells travelling around the body. That's really cute. So yeah, this comic is called um, uh, Man Eaters, 
um, and it's um, a mutation in toxoplasmosis causes menstruating women to turn into ferocious killer wildcats. Um, and apparently it was really good. She was saying that she gave it quite high praise, actually. So, um, so I'm excited to read that. I was hoping to have read it by today, but I forgot. So, sorry. It's all that toxo, toxo in my brain. Yeah. It's just slowing me down. So I'll catch it. Do you want to hear about more animals with zombie-like affect? Yeah, I want to hear about the bugs that eat the, the fish's tongues. You keep naming things I haven't got. <laughs> <laughs> um, quick, a quick little honourable mention to rabies before we go through it. Um, so vaccines do actually exist for rabies, um, but it's got to be administered as soon as a patient gets rabies otherwise it doesn't work um what happens if you don't treat rabies do you die uh yes you do um you the symptoms are quite similar to zombieism um you can get full or partial paralysis which means you know you can have your your limpy leg but you know the zombies do (laughs) sorry um limpy leg zombie limpy leg um you can be mentally impaired um uh, rage, irritation, strange behaviour, uh, mania and delirium. 55,000 people die from this every year. Jesus but you, Christ. You've used rabies, but you have a sleeping sickness, which is exactly. more common. Um, human-to-human transmission is actually very, very rare, so not as much like zombies in um, that. Is it true that you get like really aggressive and want to bite people and things like that? Yeah. Yeah, you know when we were when we were talking about werewolves, and I mentioned rabies from that aspect. Whereas even though you don't get the the physical changes, um, it's spread. You know, you get bitten by a dog, and then you will bite and get aggressive. Does are all the symptoms the same in humans as in dogs? I think uh, sure. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you gonna fact check me? Yeah, I don't care. (laughs) Do it. Um, so that's our honourable mention to rabies. Okay. Now do you want to hear about some creepy bugs? Um, so we have the emerald cockroach wasp. I see Called the Ampolix compressor. Ooh. So, this is a wasp, not a cockroach. Oh, good. Fuck those. So... Oh, wait, no. Fuck wasps also. Oh, no. Fuck them all. So, the... The wasp will sting a cockroach and use it to store its larvae in. Good. It injects a venom, which reversibly and very mildly paralyzes the front legs of the cockroach. Um, and because it's not able to move, the wasp can then very carefully place a venomous sting in the, in the roach brain. It's not a brain, but the roach equivalent of a brain. Um, and stops it from being able to... (laughs) Sorry. can hardly call that a brain. Apologies to all the cockroaches listening. I'm enjoying the the image of a a cockroach trying to drag himself around by the back legs. (laughs) Um, But, um, yeah, so when its mobility is is lower, um, the wasp then paralyzes the escape reflex of the cockroach. The roach will start grooming itself aggressively <laughs> and then it becomes very sluggish. Um, What's the benefit of him grooming himself? 
I think it's just what happens. Just wants to look nice to him yeah. his wasp babies. Um, and then the wasp eats half of the roach's antenna for some reason. <laughs> Leaves some little stuff. <laughs> um, they think it might be to like regulate the amount of venom in the system so it doesn't accidentally kill the roach. Okay. Like, if the venom is all like if you take out the antenna, I don't know. I don't think that would make sense myself, but whatever. Then the wasp leads the roach to the wasp's burrow, current, like holding it with its leg. When it gets there, it lays an egg in the abdomen of the roach um, and fills the entrance of the burrow with a little pebble. I've seen a video of this. I've seen them, I don't know what I was watching, it must have been like a David Attenborough thing, but they filmed it inside one of their burrows. Yeah. And they filmed him like... Blocking up the yeah. ends. Oh, what a horrific So death. cool. Um, and because the cockroach, um, the escape reflex is gone, or has been subdued, it just sits there for three days yeah. until the egg hatches. Does it, like, explode out from, like, alien? The larva lives for five days inside the roach, <gasps> then chews its way out. <gasps> um, chews into the abdomen. Does he die? Does he um, die before he chews his way out? No, so like oh, um, so the larva uh, the larva then lives as an endoparasitoid. You know what I mean? Um, the larva continues um it, it to live in the roach and eats its internal organ organs to maximize the like um, in order to keep the roach alive. So it'll eat the least important like first. Um, or until the larva reaches the pupil stage inside the roach. And then the wasp emerges as a a, f- a fully grown wasp buddy and goes on to live a very fulfilling wasp life. Word for word. I've <laughs> written some really, I clearly got very bored. Um, you um, have taken the portion of a grass school of writing. I am. Um, Why? Yeah. Why does this insanity happen? It's, some, it's a nice safe place to keep your wasp. In the in the cockroach. Oh. Why does it need to keep my change? <laughs> and then I eat my way into it. <laughs> and then my change propels itself <laughs> out in order of least important organs. Why why doesn't nature just make everything lay eggs? People included. These do lay eggs. No, but out of their bodies, just shit out an egg like a chicken and everything do that. Well, no, this, good. But this is, the wasp lays an egg, but it lays inside the roach, so it, when it crouches, it's safe until it's... Nature, just make everything be normal. Because that's egg. not as fun. It's not, but it's not. It's more fun for the cockroach. But you didn't like the cockroach. I ate them. Okay. But, you know, I, I love the underdog. Do you me? <laughs> Other horrific wasps include the polysphincter boops. Boops. <laughs> Boops. Um, which paralyzes and lays eggs into spiders. Does he have And then the larvae control the spiders and make them weave unusual webs, which are aimed at sheltering the wasp instead of catching flies. Do they, like, say stuff like, wasps are awesome? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you Down seen? with bees. Um, <laughs> and, and then they hatch and eat the spider. And make cocoons in the spider's nest. Fact. They so like legitimately control the spider like a puppet. Ah. Have you seen. My favourite thing the is they're called the polysphincter boobs. Have you seen on. the pictures of the spider's webs on different drugs? 
Yeah. Oh my god, amazing. If listeners, I really want to say readers every single time. Readers. Readers. With your ears. <laughs> you readers. People who are reading into my words. Um Google spiders webs on drugs and they'll show you all pictures of, of the webs different spiders spin when they're on different drugs and it's amazing. They go wild. So yeah, um wasp are gross. Um did you ever play The Last of Us? I started it. And do you remember um, how the zombies were all like, like everything was fungus based? No. No. Um, so in The Last of Us, um, the infection is spread by spores. Um, and some of the zombies, like the clickers, for example, their face just turns into like a massive like mushroom, essentially. Um... This is probably based on zombie ants. I asked you about the ants. You did. Um, ants are infected by a fungal parasite which controls their body and their mind, um, which causes them to crawl up to the top of plants and stay there until they die, just up to the top of the plant. Um, when they die, the spores are released and rain down onto other ants below <gasps> to spread the fungus. Rank. It's called an Ophiocoriceps. Obviously, the way the these things they are ad- they adapt to survive. So all it's doing is making the sun go up to the top, showering its spores when it dies, and then cr- infecting other ants so that it can k- keep going. Save our life, man. Nature's fucking awesome, isn't it? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if anyone who listens is a fan of. Reddit, the subreddit Nature is Metal are some of the best pictures of anything ever and I highly recommend it just for fun. Um I also want to talk to you about sex frogs. About sex frogs. Sex frogs. Sex frogs. At last. So Japanese tree frogs can be manipulated by the Batrachocytrium dendrobatidis. Um, which is a fungus. Um the, fr- the frogs which are infected by that have faster and longer mating calls, making them more attractive to females. <laughs> you have never been more attractive to me. Um, the idea is that the, the sex zombie frogs keep having sex in order to transmit the fungus. Oh. So. Are they like those people who get... Um like infectious disease and they get angry about it so they'll have sex with people and not tell them to pass around. Yeah, except I don't know if they've got any control. But how cool is that this fungus is like a wingman fungus. It's like, I'm going to make you more attractive to the ladies. It's like that thing from Tortured. Yes. Um, I think that's all of my zombie animals and my zombie people. I've got a little bit to tap on the end about what we think the neurology of your Hollywood zombie would be like. There is a class taught in Harvard University by psychology professor Stephen Schlossman. Um, He is an expert on what he calls ataxic neurodegenerative satiety deficiency syndrome or cinema style zombieism. Oh my god, is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah, so ataxic, it's movement disorder, neurodegenerative, 
um, degeneration of the brain, satiety, fullness, deficiency, so constantly hungry. And he suggests reason, he has a theory on what elements of the brain are affected in your Hollywood zombies. So, first of all, he suggests that zombies lack, some, lack things called mirror neurons. Um, mirror neurons are activated by other people. Right. Um, um, allowing us to empathise. Um, so, I can't, I did a lot of work on mirror neurons a long time ago and I can't quite remember it exactly. But, um, it's like if you see something happen with someone else, your mirror neurons will activate um, and allow you to empathise. Um, it's actually considered that um, autistic people are thought to lack these, but I don't think there's much accuracy mm-hmm. in that, um, mainly because autistic people actually aren't shown to have a lack of empathy. But yeah, they just show it. Show yeah, exactly. Same. But um, psychopaths though, mirror empathy. Mirror, yeah, that is true. Um, psychopaths do have a lack of mirror neurons. But yeah, so um, these dysfunctioning mirror neurons means that your zombie is unable to experience humanity. And we move on to the frontal lobe. Do you know anything about what the frontal lobe does? Um, I do. Because I did an AS in psychology and got a U. <laughs> but I can't remember. Okay. I know if you batch it, it's bad. You know whiplash. This is true. Jelly brain. So, um, the frontal lobe is associated with a lot of different functions. Um, but um, one of the ones it's famously known for is executive functioning, which mm-hmm. is allowing you to solve problems abstractly. So, having a problem and being able to solve it with minimal clues um executive functioning again something that autistic people lack so maybe autistic people are zombies yeah executive functioning is the ability to organize your thought and function and solve problems which i can't do (laughs) um schoolman actually believes the zombies possess enough frontal lobe activity to listen to the thalamus and the thalamus is where your sensory input comes in. So um, it all gets fed through the thalamus and back in. So the frontal lobe is intact enough to allow them to hear a noise and respond or see something and respond. Um, but the frontal lobe is also associated with impulsivity and emotional management. Right. So that would explain the anger. Well, they're not exactly the most emotional creatures, are they, zombies? No. But um, impulsivity in particular is a big one. Then we get to the lizard brain. This is the amygdala and the anterior cingulate cortex. Um, yeah, the amygdala is your fear centre. Um, it allows you to respond to um, it, it sort of respond appropriately and filter out fear. This area, the ACC and the amygdala, is sort of for the base primal anger and rage um, and, and things like that. The ACC, the um, anterior cingulate cortex, controls the amygdala's response, um, using it as that filter before 
these emotions reach the frontal lobe which then processes the emotions and makes a plan so if your ACC if your anterior cingulate cortex isn't working yeah um you're un- you're not able to modulate your anger right and leading to hyperaggression yeah yeah zombie so yeah um i love lizard brain yeah. anatomy it's my favorite part of neuro um then you um the other parts of your brain involved include the cerebellum and the basal ganglia. So the cerebellum basal ganglia. Is that the little hangy bit at the back? I know that's um the cerebellum. Huh. If you're looking at a brain and then you've got that little like ball sack. So you No, it's more like a little dick at the back. That's a brain stem. Ah. But the cerebellum's right above it. A bit, just because it's called ganglion are clusters of cells. So the cerebellum is um, the function is balance. All right. Um, yeah. It's balance and coordination. The basal ganglia is a bit more about coordination. Basal ganglia is where Parkinson's disease um, oh, yeah. originates. Um, so for those with cere- cerebellar dysfunction, they tend to have um, ataxia. So they there's a sort of a lack of fluidity in their mo- in their um, movement, and um, they sort of walk very wide-legged. Mm. Um, they've got some they've like a lurching walk sometimes, um, a tremor like in the zombie. trunk and the hand, um, and the way the zombies move is not dissimilar to uh, someone with cerebellar um, impairment. Yeah. And then finally, we've got the ventral medial hypothalamus. This is the area that's responsible for the satiety of hunger. So this is the part of the brain that lets you know when you've eaten enough. And Never matter. <laughs> Ventrum media? I hardly know it. <laughs> um, and without this, you experience something called hypophagia, which is overeating. And that is why your zombies never seem hungry. Yeah, so um, that was, I would call her a whistle-stop tour, but it seemed to go on for a long time. <laughs> um, but we covered a bit of everything there. Yeah, we covered we the Hollywood Hollywood zombie's brain, um, the origin of the brain, of the, of the brain, <laughs> of the zombies, and a, a bit of nature as metal. So, that was very good. You do owe me some basalt knowledge, but other than that... Oh, yeah, um, I, I, we could probably find some if you wanted to just do you fancy just eating someone's face tonight saturday night in cardiff i mean i just don't know how clean people's faces are gonna be you know after a few bar salts you know yeah um perhaps i'll take a bar salt with me as well <laughs> bar salts are pretty clean <laughs> just yeah. rub them in it's giving me good exfoliate it's yeah. a redox. Some so I mean, it would look like we were doing a normal shop Guess if we did it together. Get some Epsom salt. So I hope that was enjoyable. You know how much I love a traditional monster medicalised. I it's do. My bread and butter. Yeah. That was very, very good. I think uh, you did a very good job of taking us to all the relevant places. <laughs> it was. I, I very much enjoyed that. I, I, I apologise for the lack of fish worm tongues. Okay, okay, listen. There's a fish and there's a worm. And the worm goes in the fish's mouth and he pulls his tongue off and eats it. 
And then he's like, I am Tang now. And he like replaces himself as the Tang. He like chomps on and he's there as the Tang. And then the fish is trying to eat and he's just like, ha ha ha, catching all the food before before the fish gets to eat it. I don't think that comes into the zombie it. bracket. I think that's just a dickhead word. Well, he's, he's a zombie Tang. Okay. <laughs> you look so happy. <laughs> okay, um, so that was that was us. Next week we've got a very special episode, which we we're very have. excited about. And it might actually be next week. Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are very excited. It's a little bit different. Uh, it's a little bit funny. This feeling inside. Um, <laughs> How many times tell, have you seen me tell my story? Right, last night. Um, Myself and RJ, our producer, producer uh, went to, to a sing-along version of the Rocketman film. And how many times have you seen Rocketman in the cinema portion? Oh, this is like maybe six. I think it's seven. <laughs> no, it's five or six. Anyway, it was a special sing-along version. We paid like an extra 120 for it. And we were the only people in the whole cinema singing. And... Um, you know, there was alcohol involved, but we were having a whale of a time, and the man next to us was just enjoying us. It was great, and uh, that's that's all I got to say. Really, I just wanted to share my joy. <laughs> but also, you I sounded very angry. I want everyone to know how boring the rest of the people in the fucking cinema were. It's just not okay, is it? No, they had the words on the screen. Do you remember when Mamma Mia came out and you could not go to a cinema without everyone singing? Mamma Mia is black. I enjoy it. Rocket Man's the best film ever made. Uh, Sorry, taxi driver. Uh, Oh, oh, and I've got a taxi driver considered the best film ever made before Rocket Man. What is that, Dave? Okay. It's like a cult classic. Anyway, um, I, one last thing I want to say before we go is, because I'm a stupid fool who's had my brain eaten by ants, last week, while we were doing the Pride episode, last episode, not last week, uh, you know by now what we mean by last week. We yeah, all know it doesn't mean week. Time is... Not linear. Really. Yeah, it's... it's, uh, it's time for and Anyway... So, last episode, we were doing Pride, and I wholeheartedly meant to recommend a wonderful, um, well, it's a pilot of a TV show. Unfortunately, it hasn't yet been made because, you know, everyone's stupid. But um, it's called Hexa, and it's a, a TV show where all of the characters, or at least all the main characters, are... Um, generally underrepresented um, groups, is that the best way to say yeah. it? You've got people who are um, part of the LGBT community, you've got people who are suffer from mental illnesses or neurodivergent or, um, you know, just people who are generally not represented. It's not every character's white. It's, it's great. And... I thought it'd be really important to mention because there's so little of that out there and it's an independently made production and it's made by some friends of mine and it's really brilliant. So go to um, Hexa Show on YouTube. Um, the little avatar with a... It says Hexa on it. <laughs> it's like grey with white symbols. Just, just look for it. Um, I'm sure we can we'll, put it in we'll the, put a link just, in the description yeah, description for this. 
Um, yeah, and, and check it out because it's it's unfortunately they couldn't get the funding to like take it to series, but it, it's just a really well made piece of work, and I would advise you whether you're part of the LGBT community or not. So that's that. Hashtag no spawn. Um, hashtag wish we were spawned. Hashtag wish we were spawned. Wish we were spawned by zombies or Wes Craven. Or Budweiser. Or, or Bubble Tea. Okay, so... We are going to go get Bubble Tea. Uh-huh. You can do whatever you want. Bye-bye. Ta-da.